Hello, hello, my wonderful friends, and welcome back to the Chronically Healing Podcast. My name is Jesse Fritz. If you are new here, I am the host of the show, and I am so excited to have Shanna Nemro on the show today. Shanna and I are talking all about finding joy while living with Hashimoto's and autoimmunity. As some of you, or most of you probably know, I have Hashimoto's and have been living with it for about 10 years knowingly. And so I love having people on the show who have also dealt with Hashimoto's because I think it's interesting just to hear how different yet the same our experience is. But for all of you out there who don't have Hashimoto's, I still think this is a great episode for you to listen to because I think everything we're talking about can fit into most cases with autoimmunity and chronic illness. So Shanna and I really dug into her story with Hashimoto's, which is very similar to my own story and others' stories that I've heard out there as well. We talked about exercise intolerance. We talked about how Hashimoto's looks different to every single person. And one thing that we really dove into was the emotional side of Hashimoto's and how that can be so difficult for us, how to give your body grace, not compare yourself to others or even yourself before. And then... We also dug into the AIP diet and how she used that to help her on her healing journey, how she uses that with some of her clients. And we even talked a little bit into how AIP didn't work well for me at different times of my life and how important it is to work with someone when you're doing these kind of strict diets when it comes to your autoimmune or chronic illness. So without giving away the entire episode, I want to make sure that y'all have time to listen and check out Shanna and make sure sure if you haven't already to subscribe to the podcast here chronically healing so that you never miss an episode one more thing before we jump into shanna's episode as you'll hear we talked all like so many things about hashimoto's but there's so many different things we could dive into and one of the topics that i'm really interested in is depression mental health anxiety all the things that kind of come with living with hashimoto's specifically but also with most chronic illness so if you're interested in me having Shanna back on this the show to talk about this let me know send me a dm over on instagram or send me an email just let me know and we will get her back on the show because i think it would be cool to talk about that as well but without further ado let's jump in to Shanna's episode Hi, everyone. Welcome back to the Chronically Healing Podcast. My name is Jesse, and I'm so excited to introduce you to Shanna Nemro. Welcome to the show. Thank you so much, Jesse. I'm so happy to be here and so honored. Thank you. Of course, I'm excited. So I've actually followed Shanna's YouTube channel for quite a few months now, maybe even a year at this point. Um, I found you when I was researching like AIP or like, and there's not that much out there on YouTube quite yet. So it was, um, I found you pretty quickly. Then I started following you on Instagram. So you, your content has been super helpful for me on my journey with Hashimoto's, but I'm excited to kind of dive in. But first off, why don't you introduce yourself? Let us know who you are and what you do. Sure. Absolutely. I mean, thank you so much. I really appreciate it. Um, so I am a Hashimoto's, Hashimoto's warrior. I was diagnosed with Hashimoto's after about a decade of undiagnosed health struggles. I'd been going to the doctor, couldn't find answers, hit my rock bottom um, and was diagnosed with Hashimoto's. And uh, up until that point, it's kind of funny. I was actually an accountant. So I was head of accounting at a corporation for over 15 years. And um, working from home, homeschooling. And then I lost my health and I, um, I found the AIP within days because my doctor told me that there's nothing I can do. And, mm. and so I just kind of jumped onto that and found, found incredible, you know, relief from my symptoms, rebuilt my life. And then I decided to change careers. So now I am actually a functional nutritional therapy practitioner, FNTP. <laughs> And I love to um, help others. I work with clients one-on-one remotely from around the world, as well as I have a AIP online group coaching program. It's just a six-week online program. And I walk people through the AIP, the ins and outs of nutrition and lifestyle and mindset. And I, I love what I do. I get to wake up every day and I get to share my story and share on Instagram and and on YouTube. And I just love that I've connected with so many incredible um, autoimmune warriors like you. And just, it just really um, sets my heart on fire. So I stepped away from accounting um, a few years ago to, to focus on building my practice. 
That's so exciting. I love, I love hearing that. And the one thing I don't love hearing though, which unfortunately I hear quite a bit, especially with Hashimoto's, but I feel like all chronic illness is first of all, it takes forever (laughs) to find out that that's what's going on. And second, almost everyone that I've talked to, and this has happened to me as well, is you go to the doctor and when they do finally figure out what's going on, it's like, there's not really much you can do about it. And you're set, set on your own path. And it's like such a difficult space to be in. Like, what did you kind of do in that situation? How are you feeling? Cause I can feel it. I can feel myself how I felt in that moment. How is that for you? Right. I, I love that you bring this up because it really is. Um, I think it's so important that we do speak up and share our experiences and our stories because um, each of us, do have different feelings, but at the same time, there are people out there who, who are experiencing those same things. And it can be a very lonely process to go undiagnosed for so many years Mm -hmm. and then to finally get an answer and then to experience all of those feelings. So I'll just kind of share my experience. Um, you know, obviously leading up to my diagnosis, um, it was very incredibly, you know, frustrating. I was, I didn't understand what was going on with me. I felt very lonely. I couldn't understand why um, I couldn't, I didn't have the energy and that my husband had that other people in, in my life seemed to have. I didn't understand why I hadn't laid down. Mm. Um, I knew women in my family had thyroid issues. And so when I would go to the doctor, I went like at least once every year and I would be like, something's wrong, you know, like, please Mm -hmm. help me. I do not feel well. These are my symptoms. And they would run basic blood tests. This was just like a regular, you know, practitioner, like, um, like a family doctor. And I was very of the mindset, um, Western medicine, my whole life, um, up until my rock bottom and my diagnosis, I was very much like, Um, I just believed what my doctor said. I loved my doctor, um, you know, a good relationship with him from what I knew. And so I would go to him and I would be like, this is what's going on. And he would tell me, okay, I'm going to go ahead and run some blood tests. And I would say, okay. And there's even family members. My family have thyroid conditions. I think it might be my thyroid. Um, and I just didn't know at the time that there are, there's a whole thyroid panel you can run. He was just doing the basic TSH. Um, and he had a very, um, wide range, you know? And so he would give me the quote unquote, good news. You're fine. And I'd be like, of course you don't want anything to be wrong with you. So I'd be like, okay, good. But I guess I need to act fine now because, you know, I'd tell my husband, you know, I don't feel good. I need to go to the doctor. And he'd be like, okay, what happened? Um, doctor says I'm fine. So right. I guess I better act fine. <laughs> and so it's like this, this whole nightmare, you know? And then, so I just kept pushing and pushing and pushing through because I thought I was fine. And then towards the end of 2017, I just got, my body got to the point like that year was when I really, my body really said enough. And I think part of it is because I went off of caffeine. Mm. Um, and I think caffeine was like, like, I was like the biggest diet Coke, cherry Coke, like person, like give me all the cherry (laughs) Coke and diet Coke. Um, and I went off that to try to feel better again, because I wasn't finding answers. And, um, and, you know, obviously it was a good move health-wise, but I think that that's how I was coping for so long is just caffeine and ibuprofen. And I'd stopped the ibuprofen as well. And so when I wasn't masking things anymore, and so I just progressively got worse a lot faster. And then I had a really stressful event towards the end of 2017. And that just like set me over the edge. And so, um, I went from, working out, being active, homeschooling, field trips, working from home to not being able to do hardly anything, struggling to get out of bed. Mm -hmm. And so that's really, I was like, I've got to figure out what's wrong. I feel like I'm dying. And so I found a natural path. I just went online. I'm like, you know, natural doctors and I'd never heard of a naturopath and somebody had mentioned a natural path. And so I went and I saw her and she did all kinds of blood work and she had an ultrasound done of all of my organs. Well, not all of them, but <laughs> many of them, including <laughs> my thyroid. And I got my thyroid ultrasound report back and it was like totally abnormal. And she referred me to an endocrinologist. Mm-hmm. And so that's when the 
endocrinologist diagnosed me with Hashimoto's just based on the ultrasound alone. Mm -hmm. And I remember sitting in his office when, as, as he was telling me, this is what you have. And I remember initially feeling like, yes, (laughs) like not happy that I had something, but happy that, okay, I have an answer and now I'm going to get better because he's going to give me a pill and it's going to make everything okay. And this is all going to be like a bad dream. (laughs) Yeah. So like that, like happiness lasted all of about a minute or two until he basically told me, like you said, there's nothing that I can do. And at this point I had changed enough to know, to ask questions. So I did, even though he diagnosed me based on my ultrasound, I asked for a full thyroid panel, which he still only ran like a TPO, a thyroid antibodies, um, which later did confirm the Hashimoto's diagnosis. But, um, I was asking him like, is there any way of eating that can help me feel better. And he's like, well, some people, he, he basically said, no, well, there's no scientifically proven at this point. This was January, 2018 way of eating that will help you feel better. But I do have some patients who have found relief from eating gluten-free and my heart sunk because by this point I'd been gluten-free for like four years because I had already tried that, you know, and I'm like, (laughs) doc, I'm gluten-free. Like, and I'm like, can't get out of bed, you know? And so it was just like this whole, um, from happy from getting a diagnosis to heartbroken that now I'm sitting here and he's telling me there's nothing I can do. The craziest part to me was that he was like, yeah, you're not quite at the point that you need medicine. So come back in three months and you'll probably need, um, you know, medicine by that. And I'm like, uh, I can't function. And so a funny thing happened. I became a warrior in that office that day. Like I'll never forget sitting in that office across from him and feeling something like either, either snap inside of me or click inside of me. Like, no, 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 mm-hmm. no, no. Enough is enough. I've, I can't go to my son's baseball games. I can't homeschool my kids anymore. I can't go on field trips. Like I can't travel right now. I can't, I can't go grocery shopping right now. Like, this is not how my story ends. I was 36 at the time. I'm like, no, like this is not, no. And so I wasn't saying that out loud to him, but I was like, right. <laughs> I became a fighter that day. And I decided like, I don't care what I have to do. I'm doing this. And mm-hmm. so that's kind of like, I went from happy at the diagnosis to heartbroken to uh-uh, challenge mm-hmm. accepted. Right. I love that. And it's like so much of your story mimics mine. And I was quote unquote lucky enough that my thyroid levels were off enough in a regular thyroid test that they, they were able to find it. It was of course, after like three years of misdiagnosis with, um, they diagnosed me with depression. So I was taking antidepressants, which made me feel worse and this whole thing. And then they put me on a medication too. Um, but I never felt better. Like I just, I continued to feel bad. And I remember going to the doctor and hoping that my thyroid levels were off so I could get more medication because I'm like, I can't imagine living like this. But when I finally got into like functional medicine, naturopathic medicine, um, I also went to an endocrinologist and he, he told me like, yeah, you have Hashimoto's, but it's the best autoimmune disease to have. And I was oh like, <laughs> I was like, what? <laughs> like, and then he went on to tell me that like, not to worry about it. There wasn't anything I could do. And, um, you know, if I ever got pregnant to call him first <laughs> and then oh, he sent me <laughs> on my way. And I, it was the same thing. I lived in Chicago at the time. So I was like in my Uber on the way home. And I was like, I am so mad. Like I'm never, I'm never seeing this person again. I'm figuring it out. And that's like what really drove me into the natural functional medicine side of things, because I knew that that was the only way someone was going to help me. And it's just, it's so frustrating the, like the downplaying, um, of how you're feeling in that moment from a doctor. It, it just makes you feel just, unseen, unheard. And like, you have nowhere to go from that. And I'm glad that you had a similar experience of like, I'm not taking this anymore. (laughs) I have to figure this out. Right. Yes. And I just have to say major props to you for not unleashing on the doctor when he told you that Hashimoto's was the best autoimmune disease. I think I would lose it. Like, (laughs) oh my gosh, no, you didn't just say that. 
but I you're know. right, you know, like it's one of those things where it, it is often downplayed. And even if it's not downplayed by um, doctors, um, it is often by family members and friends. And I think mm-hmm. part of the reason, and I've seen this in my life, um, and as I've shared about it in, on my Instagram posts and um, on my YouTube channel, I, kn- I know a lot of people have said that they have this experience too, is that the tricky part about Hashimoto's is it can look so differently in different people. So I know that for me, a number of my family members um, and my extended family have Hashimoto's and most of them, it's never, never quote unquote bothered them Mm -hmm. most of their life. And so it, whereas with me, it flipped my life upside down and they even were at the point they needed to be on medicine and hmm. they were just kind of like, oh yeah, I guess I'll take this. My doctor told me to, but for me, it was like, no, like I couldn't function. And I, I really hid for a long time how bad it had gotten because I felt shame. I felt right. fear. I felt unheard and unseen. And so I think it's hard when we know people who have quote unquote Hashimoto's and they're fine. And then it kind of creates this, well, then what's your problem? Like all these other people have it and they're fine. And the more of us, Jesse, like you and I and others who speak up and share our story, it really, really provides such an important sense of community and awareness that, um, you know, that, that, that Hashimoto's can really wreak havoc on our lives and that, just because it does, there's nothing to be ashamed of. I have nothing to be ashamed of. You have nothing to be ashamed of. And that there are, it can leave us feeling very much like a victim Mm -hmm. and like, like, you know, we shouldn't speak up and set boundaries because everybody else has it and they're fine. Not everybody else has it, but other people have it and they're fine. So I think it's just really important to allow ourselves like space and to honor where we are and realize that this is our life and that we don't owe anybody an explanation that what we feel physically and emotionally is valid Mm -hmm. and that there are things that we can do and kind of instead empower empower ourselves and our story Mm -hmm. um, and focus on what we can control rather than what we can't and we can't control what others think of us and it's none of our business what others think of us but that's easier said than done right yeah 100% and and two, like tying in, I don't know about you. I suspect maybe similarly, um, as someone who is working f- like full time has kids, like I had a really hard time not judging myself compared to my previous self. You know, I was working ad agency life. I was like working all the time and I was so busy and I had multiple jobs and I was working out and I was doing all these things and, you know, just destroying my body, which I know now. <laughs> time I had no idea what I was doing. And I mean, I still struggle with it sometimes where I'm like, how, why is it that now I work for myself, but I, I only have like a certain amount of time that I have enough energy. Whereas, you know, I was working 12, 13, 14 hour days before that. And it's hard to, to even not judge yourself in that moment. Right. Oh my gosh, absolutely. And I love that you bring that up because a lot of times when we think about comparison, you know, we all know Mm -hmm. that comparison is, you know, the thief of joy and, and so on. Um, You know, a lot of people think of comparing ourselves to other people, which is, is, you know, you know, certainly a part of the picture, but I relate completely with Mm -hmm. the struggle of comparing who I am now to the woman I used to be. Mm-hmm. And it can be in all areas. So it can be like, especially so when I started regaining my health, I just thought certain things were just going to, you know, you know, pop right back and I'd get to do what I do before. Mm-hmm. And, you know, you know, one example is exercise. And so before my rock bottom, I would do high intensity, you know, interval training, I would do circuit training, I would do lots of walking, I would run, I did a couple marathons, I did a tough minor, I would occasionally do some CrossFit workouts. And I loved working out like my husband and I worked out, you know, together. And, you know, one of my friends was my trainer, like, I went to like classes at the gym, like I loved being active. And then I had to stop that because my body gave me no choice. And I thought as I, so as I rebuilt my health through the way I ate and the way I lived and my mindset, I started feeling better inside and out and everything started being able, you know, like I could go grocery shopping again. I could go to my son's baseball games again. I could, I could go on date night with my husband again. And then slowly I could travel again. Mm 
So I just figured then, of course, I can go back to the way I was exercising again. Right. (laughs) And that didn't happen. And so I have been struggling with exercise intolerance for a few years. And it took me a long time to realize that um, I needed to take things in very baby steps when it comes to movement and exercise and that I, I had to find ways of moving that um, help me feel my best. And that's okay if that looks differently than what it felt like before I lost my health. Mm-hmm. And um, I recently started strength training again, and, and I'm working with someone who is really, really great about understanding um, exercise and autoimmune disease and everything. And um, occasionally in a workout, I'll be, you know, lifting some weight and I'll flashback. I'll think about the amount of weight I used to bench press compared to the amount mm. of weight I bench press now. And I feel like a little bit of like shame and like embarrassment and like hard on myself. And he can see it in my face without even me saying anything. And he's like, Shanna, it's a different chapter. Like right. this is a different season. It's a different chapter. Like there is nothing good that comes of comparing myself to who I used to be um, unless I'm doing it in like a, like a productive way. For example, I feel like, like, I'm not grateful for Hashimoto's. I'm not grateful, but I'm grateful for the woman I've become through having this experience. So even though I was stronger physically, as far as weight training goes back then, I feel like I'm much stronger emotionally and spiritually now than I ever have been. And so like, kind of like, it kind of helps me to reframe, reframe things as well. But mm-hmm. you're, you're absolutely right. Comparing ourselves to our old selves is something that is very, very, very difficult. Yeah. Yeah. And that, that exercise intolerance thing, I can totally relate with that. That's something my husband was, was a personal trainer. When I met him, we met via Instagram. Cause I was doing like fitness posts and like, <laughs> you know, all this stuff. And like, I was getting up at 5 a.m. to go and work out every day and like, and then going to my full-time job. And now like, yeah, it's the same thing. I want, I want so badly to get back into the type of exercise that I used to do, but I've just recently been able to start doing just small weightlifting in my house with like dumbbells and bands and stuff. And, and it's hard, especially like for me with Hashimoto's, which we'll get into the the diet part of this because I know um, I wanted to talk to you about AIP as well. But like for me with Hashimoto's, I gained a ton of weight and I wasn't able to exercise. I was really, really struggling with um, energy to even move around. I'm still, it's something I'm still struggling with right now. And, and I think it's so hard because, you know, everyone else out there is like, oh, just diet and exercise and you'll be, you'll be fine. And I was like, I can't exercise though. It like physically, I feel worse when I exercise and people who don't have Hashimoto's or don't have a chronic illness that kind of, um, create that space do not understand that. They're like, no, you're just being lazy. And it's like, no, like you have no idea how much I wish I could exercise that way. No, absolutely. I I feel you, you know, on every level, it's, it's so hard because there are so many benefits of exercise and movement. And here we are trying to regain our health and we want all of those, um, well, you know, like benefits. Um, another tricky part is that there are many ins and outs of it. So, um, like each of us may have different, usually have different causes, root causes of Hashimoto's. And it really takes like, you know, digging down and addressing those and addressing like other foundational imbalances in our body, like, you know, fatty acid balance and mineral balance and, um, you know, vitamin need and hydration Mm -hmm. and, you know, digestion and all of those things. And so it's complicated. And I, I think of, I think of my wellness journey as a puzzle Mm -hmm. and, there are so many different pieces to it. And I couldn't get all, I didn't even know what all the pieces were when I got diagnosed. Right. I was like, Oh, I think <laughs> I need to eat better. Is that a piece, you know? Right. And then you have to figure out the way to eat that feels best. And then the exercise thing, like I try to put like that back in and it like did not work. So then I had to rearrange it and find a different exercise piece. And, Mm -hmm. and so there's just like, it's a lot to it. And the other really, really, really hard part about living with Hashimoto's is that there's ups and downs and in-betweens and no matter how far I've come, I'll still get sucker punched by a flare sometimes. And sometimes I know what caused it. Like 
my biggest triggers are stress, sleep. And if I have like a cross contamination issue, if like I mm. eat out um, and I try, you know, and I'm really careful when I eat out, but if there was like a cross contamination issue, um, those are, you know, are my biggest, but sometimes occasionally I'll have like a flare up or some symptoms pop up and I'm like, huh, mm. like no clue what caused that. And right. so the emotional side of I think the emotional side of living with Hashimoto's is the hardest part. Um, Mm -hmm. Waking up every day and um, making the choices, nutrition, lifestyle, and mindset that I know help me feel my best. And the tricky part is, is that what helps me feel my best may look different than what helps you feel your best. And so Mm -hmm. bringing it back to exercise. So what I did is I just, I just walked and did like gentle yoga and stretching like 10, 10 minutes a day of like stretching or 20 minutes a day for like the first several months to years, Mm -hmm. because that's what felt best. And when I started, I couldn't walk around our block without stopping to rest. It was super slow. And I remember my husband and my kids would come with me and it, it felt embarrassing to me at the time that I'd be like, you guys, I need to slow down. You guys, I need to stop. One time I had to, I had made it. I mean, I'm not talking about walking far around our block was like 0.2 miles, you know, like it wasn't far or like 0.25. I couldn't walk around that, that, you know, and, and I think, and I remember one evening having my husband like sitting on the curb and telling him, I need you to go get your truck and come pick me up. Mm. And that felt devastating to me. But look at where I've come from that. And I started just by increasing the amount I walked a little bit at a time. And now I can walk several miles a day. And I do walk several miles a day. I walk a couple miles in the morning and a couple miles in the, in, um, in the evening. But it's been over three years and that I didn't start that way, you know. So it's just really important to honor ourselves mm-hmm. where we are and to give it time. And to mm-hmm. just like, if I had tried to go from that to two miles, I would have ended up in a huge flare, you know? Right. So it's just like baby steps. And I think it's really important on our journey with Hashimoto's to have an anchor point too. So mm-hmm. to celebrate our victories and like a week or two, was it two or three weeks ago, we were experimenting with a new workout in the gym because I'm still trying to figure out, you know, what movements feel good as far as strength training and which ones don't. And I'm kind of a guinea pig with my trainer. And so we tried um, a workout and I ended up in a really bad flare for like, you know, days. And mm-hmm. I was, you know, really upset because I don't, I don't handle it well at first when I'm in a flare because it's right. not fun to not feel good. And I was like emotional. And my husband said, you have to look at where you're coming from though, Shanna, mm-hmm. like you couldn't walk around the block three years ago. And you've come back from that and you're going to come back from this. And so Mm -hmm. celebrating every little victory and then stopping and realizing it doesn't matter that I like, I can't think about that. I did marathons before that point, look what I came back from and I can get through this and I can build strength and it may just take way longer than most people, but Mm -hmm. you know what? That's okay. It's not a race. It's the rest of my life. Right. I love that so much. And it's, I relate with it. I know others that are listening can relate with it and it, it can be an uphill battle sometimes with your own emotional and mental health surrounding things and how you're feeling and just giving yourself credit for every little thing that you're able to do, I think is, I love that super important. Um, so I know for you, at least I think you're still doing it, but AIP really helped you. So can you explain to anybody that's not listening, what is AIP and then um, how that kind of helped you? Yeah, absolutely. I'd love to. So the autoimmune protocol, also known as AIP, um, is also sometimes known as autoimmune paleo, mm-hmm. autoimmune protocol paleo, AIP paleo. Um, it's basically a nutrition and lifestyle protocol specifically designed for those of us with autoimmunity. It helps to um, lower inflammation. It helps to balance hormones. It helps to improve gut health. It helps to um, minimize autoimmune symptoms, to maximize autoimmune health and more. And so the autoimmune protocol, um, a lot of people think AIP is just about food, just about the way we eat. And I find 
that it's really important to also realize that there is that lifestyle side of AIP and that that is just as important, if not more important in my mind. Um, and so I'll go a little bit over the nutrition side of the AIP, the AIP diet. I hate to use the word diet, but that's how it's referred to. Um, and then I'll talk a little bit about the AIP lifestyle too. So the AIP nutrition has um, three phases. It has a elimination phase um, and that typically lasts between 30 and 90 days. It can last longer depending on the person because keep in mind, all of us are coming to the AIP from a different um, you know, health history, from a different um, spot and where we're at in our health journeys. And so some people do need longer on the AIP. Um, and then there is a reintroduction phase. So during the elimination phase, you eliminate a number of foods that are the most common um, trigger foods, the most common allergies, the most common like immune stimulators, because we want to give our immune system a chance to rest, to reset, um, so that we can um, find relief from our symptoms. And then after a period of elimination, um, ideally, um, the person will find like a baseline, like, okay, this is, you know, I'm finding some relief from my symptoms, or I found total relief. Um, either way, as long as they have some kind of a baseline, like they'll be able to tell mm -hmm. um, if they reintroduce a food and it's not a supportive food for their body. Um, and they'll be able to tell if there's a reaction. So that's what's called, a, well, the reintroduction phase where you start to reintroduce the different foods because the goal is not to be on an elimination phase long-term. The goal is not to be on a strict diet um, to be on a strict, you know, way of eating, um, forever, because it is important to get that variety in. Um, so we get a variety of nutrients so that, um, it's also really, really good for like our gut bacteria, our gut health. Mm -hmm. And so the reintroduction phase, um, there's like, there's like um, a systematic way of going through what foods you reintroduce when, um, and then, you can then enter at some point the maintenance phase of the AIP, which is basically just finding like your own personalized AIP, if you even want to call it AIP. So I did the elimination phase and then I did the reintroduction phase. And my, my experience was, um, I, so I came to the AIP barely functioning, barely getting out of bed. Um, my health history is, um, after I've, I've had a number of health issues, health issues, um, other than Hashimoto's during my pregnancies. And after I had our, our two kids, after I had our son, he is 13, almost 14. Now I was, um, I had a UTI that turned into a kidney infection that turned into sepsis. Oh, wow. And so I, I actually almost died. It was, I was in the hospital for a while. I was on IV meds for a while, very, very, very high antibiotics, a catheter for weeks. And so, um, so I had quite a bit of damage to my gut and mm -hmm. to other like, you know, body systems. So I came to AIP from, from that and also from Hashimoto's. And so I ended up being, I, which is funny because I, I was one of those people who, who I'm like, okay, I'll do AIP 30 days and I'm done. Like I'll serve my 30 days and I want all the foods back. Yeah. Right. And well, you know, like I was totally of that, you know, mindset and then a funny thing happened is that I, so I found relief from my symptoms, like a lot of them, not, not all of them, but like a noticeable, um, like difference. And then it's like, I'm going to add some food back in. I think it was like around the 45 day mark. And then I just handled the reintro phase totally wrong. Like I, mm -hmm. I didn't do it systematically or in order. I just was like a free for all. <laughs> and I just, I just ended up in a horrible flare for like weeks. And it reminded me that nothing tastes as good as healthy feels. And so mm -hmm. I went back to elimination phase and I have YouTube videos on all of this. So I share with you how I messed up my reintro phase the first time I have a video all about the, um, the elimination phase, all about the reintro phase, uh, as well as like, you know, free food lists. So I have a lot of free AIP resources. I'm just kind of doing a nutshell here. Yeah. Um, but basically I went um, back to elimination phase and I ended up being on the elimination phase for almost 10 months, which is not, I find that's not common, but again, I was coming to the AIP from 
my rock bottom. Right. And so then I started to reintroduce foods and it, it went slowly for me for a while. And so I just had to keep working on fine tuning, figuring out what I needed as far as gut health, what I needed as far as different, you know, troubleshooting things. Um, because the AIP, it's just a template. So it's a mm-hmm. template and it's up to us to, to, um, to find what, like if there's AIP foods that we may be reacting to, if, um, you know, some common, well, mistakes I often see on AIP is people not eating enough food, people not macro balancing. So it's really important to eat a protein, healthy fat and carbs in the form of veggies at every meal. Um, And there's a lot, a lot, a lot of ins and outs. And so I just had to find my ins and outs and find out what I needed to do. And and it just was a complete AIP was a complete game changer for me. And that's why I love coaching. Mm-hmm. Um, now it's not easy. It is hard. There's a number of eliminations like, you know, gluten and grains and dairy and eggs and nuts and seeds and nightshades, um, sugars. Um, so a lot of people say, well, what can you eat? <laughs> right. <laughs> right. And there's a lot of proteins, a lot of meats, a lot, lot, lot of vegetables, mm-hmm. um, healthy fats. And it's just really important to focus when starting the AIP or when on the AIP, it's incredibly important to focus on what to include mm. rather than what to exclude. Of course, you need to know what to exclude so you don't eat it, but it's really important to make sure that you are flooding the body with nutrients and mm-hmm. with the you know, and with the building blocks that your body needs for optimal cell health, for optimal um, health and wellness. And so that's kind of the nutrition side of the AIP in a nutshell. So now I eat, um, I have a number of re-entros. So I don't, so if someone says, do you eat AIP? Well, I don't eat AIP elimination phase. Mm -hmm. I'm in my maintenance phase. So I eat a number of like, I could eat nightshades here and there. I could eat um, white rice sometimes I can eat. And I say sometimes because I just find like when I eat it too often, I just don't feel as well. And that might be because it displaces, you know, vegetables, because when I don't eat, I eat more, you know, vegetables. Mm. Um, I, I eat all kinds of nuts and seeds now. I, so I have a lot of reintros. I do find with grass-fed ghee and grass-fed butter, Um, And I'm continually reintroducing, you know, more and more as I go. So that's kind of the diet side of that. Is there anything that you wanted me to go into more on that or? No, I mean, I've done AIP twice now. I've also done, I mix it up sometimes because I also did a SIBO one, which is even more strict (laughs) than AIP. But for me, it was really hard um, because I have a, a past disordered eating pattern. So, um, I unfortunately tend to, when something is restricted, I will then binge on it at some point. So the first time I did AIP, um, similarly, I was feeling really, really bad. So it helped a lot and I noticed things. So it kind of pushed me to keep going. And then I kind of fell off of, you know, how I continued to eat after that point. And I actually recently just did um, like a, a, a quick AIP, like I did, um, 30 days, like a 30 day, um, elimination and reintro. And for some reason I really struck, I struggled so much worse this time. And it was for me, it was because I, I actually eat fairly healthy, way healthier than I did when I started, I was eating, you know, standard American diet when I started the first time. And I really struggled this time just because, um, I got in my head about it too much. Like I was like, well, it's not fair. Like I eat healthy as it is. Like, why can't I eat white rice? Why can't I eat? Um, you know, I wasn't, I already wasn't eating gluten or dairy. So that was sugar for the most part. So that wasn't difficult. I had already cut out coffee, but I just like was mad about the carbs (laughs) to be honest. And, and it's hard and it's, but it's helpful. And even now I, I kind of just like, not didn't, or I came off of it in a very messy way. So I, I know only a few things that were causing me irritation, like eggs, for example. Um, I actually get a lot of joint pain. So I'll notice that like my hands and my feet hurt more when I'm eating inflammatory foods. So eggs was one of them, but 
rice is another one. And I've even noticed the last few days that we've been having more rice just in other things and my hands and my feet hurt pretty often. And so anyway, so I'm just kind of giving my experience with it, but it, it can be very difficult, but it can also be really helpful and kind of talking about what we were talking about before that emotional side. And I'm sure some of the lifestyle changes to what you were going to get into are really helpful to kind of get you through that period that, that might be really difficult, especially if you have some like disordered eating patterns from the past. Yeah, absolutely. I love that you bring that up because that is something that is so important to realize is to be aware of any kind of eating patterns that you have that may affect, you know, your stress levels with AIP, how you're feeling with AIP. Um, and I, you know, I, I really, I really don't like that. We have to label things like that. We have to label AIP, AIP because, but we, 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 you know, we kind of do because that's how I found it in the first place is because it's an autoimmune diet, you know, Mm -hmm. but I really don't like labels or the word, um, diet. Um, AIP to me is a vehicle to find our best way of eating for our mm-hmm. bodies, but it can go really, 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 really wrong when there are patterns of, of that disordered eating or when it's causing so much stress. So, um, do I think AIP is for everyone? No, I don't. Mm-hmm. I think there are people that are, are better, um, can I insert one thing yeah, though, sure. just to say, so, the difference that I notice is that this time I did it on my own free will <laughs> and versus oh. the first time I did it, I had a coach, which was really helpful. She was, um, similarly the FNTP. So mm-hmm. like it was helpful because she walked me through it. And when I was having a really hard time, she helped me. So if she's like, okay, if you're having extreme issues, like not having this thing, have a little bit of it. I would yeah. rather that you had a little bit of it versus cut it out for two months and then eat a pound of it one day and feel awful for a week. She's like, so that's one thing, um, too, with like, I know your free resources and like working with you can be really helpful and did help me when I had to do those more strict diets as someone with, you know, disordered eating patterns. Yeah, absolutely. And, and I love that. Will you bring that up? Because it can also feel very lonely. So either, either participating in like a group coaching program or or like having a coach can make all the difference. Like Mm -hmm. I know that I meet my clients where they're at. And if we need to just go over AIP lifestyle first, that's what we do before even changing food. Or if we need to baby step our way into the, into the nutrition. I mean, I've, I've had clients go from eating fast food one or two times a day, standard American diet to successfully navigating AIP, but that did not happen overnight. That was like us meeting each week and taking it one step at a time, one elimination at a time. So you don't have to go all in AIP a hundred percent all at once. You can Mm -hmm. do like a six week transition or a longer one in my, in my group coaching program. It's a six week program and participants have the option of either going all in because some people do do better going all in. I know Mm -hmm. that for me, I was just like, I did a lot better going all in um, because otherwise I'd like, you know, bargain, you know, with myself and justify (laughs) things too much. Um, So it's important to know who we are or to have a coach help you will determine like what, what strategy is better. Mm -hmm. And then there's also like a six week, like, you know, transition or, you know, or longer. And so I, I think it's incredibly important to approach it from like an individualized approach and also to either work with a coach to help with the emotional side of things or the mindset side of things, Mm. or to work on that yourself too. Because I think I, I think that the AIP mindset is, you know, what I call, I think that's, well, the most important piece, because if we don't have the AIP, you know, mindset piece, the AIP nutrition and lifestyle piece is, is just going to be either miserable are a lot harder, you know, than it needs to be. And, and I will say that I came from a place where I was an emotional eater my whole life. Um, and like, and I'm not talking about just like a sad emotional eater. I was a happy one too. So like, if Mm -hmm. I was happy and celebrating, (laughs) I'd eat all the things and have my favorite fast food or whatever. But if I was sad, I'd also eat my emotions, you know, in a tub of mint and chip ice cream. And so like, I really started coaching and sharing because I feel like if I can do this, anybody can do this, but being very upfront where it's not, it's not a perfect, um, 
you know, process and it's not always pretty. And there's things that we have to figure out. And like you said, the AIP lifestyle piece is for sure part of it. And that includes like managing stress. Now that alone can look so different. And um, what helps me manage stress may increase your stress and vice versa. And so again, just like the biggest takeaway from the AIP, I hope that everybody is hearing today is that it's not a one size fits all. Right. And it really takes learning how to listen to our bodies and how to look for patterns. And Mm -hmm. like, for example, if, even if you are like me and come from a history of, of like emotional eating, like my history before AAP was, I would just get angry at myself. Mm -hmm. Like I, I would feel better for like all of like what, two minutes while I was eating, whatever it was. Cause I used to eat so fast. Right. Um, but then I would feel worse about myself. Mm-hmm. And so then I would just beat myself up. Now, since then, if I occasionally have it, like an emotional eating issue or like tendency, because let's be real, the past year has been really, really, really difficult on all of us. And right. I have, like, I thought my emotional eating tendencies were like gone and I've had them like pop up here and there. And so I've had to really think about, okay, I'm not going to focus on that. I'm beating myself up. I don't, I don't want to do that. Like I, I love my body and I love myself and that's gotten me nowhere. I want to be in the past. So instead I'm going to put on my detectives hat and think about what led to this, Mm -hmm. right? Do I fill the pool to emotionally eat in the afternoon? Is it triggered by a person? Is it triggered by an event? Is it triggered by, um, did I eat enough healthy fats at Mm -hmm. lunch and protein at lunch? Did I skip lunch? Did I, you know, there's, I found it's really helpful to help my clients and empower um, clients. And then also in my own journey to, instead of thinking, oh, I ate something I didn't want to eat, or I ate too much of something that I didn't mean to eat instead thinking about what led up to that. And then we can change either, you know, patterns or habits that led up to that. So it's coming from an empowered mindset instead of like a victim. I have no control because we have a lot of things that we can control, which circles us back to Hashimoto's leaves us very much feeling like we it's out of our control and there's things that we can't control, but there are, when we dig deep and look at the, you know, what we choose to put in, in, into our bodies, the thoughts we al- allow to set up camp, mm-hmm. our sleep habits, our stress relief practices, our movement, our getting out in nature, our connection, all of those things. There's so much we can do to improve our life with Hashimoto's. And it's not like we're going to get from zero to 60 overnight it takes time and it just takes taking one thing at a time and just like fine tuning that thing. I mean, you think about sleep, there's so much we could talk about with sleep from evening right. routines to nutritional support to all kinds of things. And so I, I just want those with Hashimoto's to understand that there's a lot that we can do to support our health and to find relief from those symptoms and that mm-hmm. it's emotionally hard and that's okay. And there's ways through that emotion side of it too. Yeah. And I think that's so important too, for, for people that maybe, maybe the, the diet and nutrition stuff is a little scary right now where with wherever you're at, like for me, for example, kind of like what you're talking about this last year has been really hard. My mental health is not in its best place. So those types of thoughts kind of, um, came up and stressed me out while doing the nutrition side of stuff. And it was like, for me, I'm like, it's, it was better for me to stop and to just do little pieces like, okay, noticing how things make me feel because I've done AIP a couple of times. So I, I understand what's going on, but the full diet just wasn't working for me this time, but all of those lifestyle changes and those types of things were so whichever one works for you. Like, I think, like you said, with sleep and just mental health in general, your stress and And those are all big things. Those are all things that like doctors will be like, oh, just reduce your stress. And you're like, cool. (laughs) But but there's so many like little, little things that you can do every day that get you into a better place. In fact, like what are some of the things that you like to do every day that keep you feeling your best? Oh, that's such an awesome question. Um, So my mornings are like so important to me. So, Mm -hmm. and this is something that I, I do hesitate 
to talk about at times because at my rock bottom, my mornings were miserable because I felt so horrible and it took me time to be able to like get moving in the morning and get going. But I started the habits that I use in my mornings now back then, but mm-hmm. the difference is back then it was not really early morning. It was like mid morning or lunchtime, Mm -hmm. um, versus now I'm up early and I do everything in the morning. So, well, the number one non, you know, negotiable. So I have like an ideal morning routine that helps me like calm and grounding. And then I have a, Oh, I slept a little late. I'm in a hurry. I got all these things going on. Non, you know, negotiable morning routines. So um, the one thing that I try not to miss, I even do it if it's snowing outside is I get outside and I go on a walk Mm. and I don't put, I don't put a distance and I don't put a time frame. I just get out and I walk and it depends on how I'm feeling. So like, usually it's a few miles, like a couple miles, we have these beautiful hiking trails behind our house. So it is, um, you know, I am out in nature. I have Zoe, my puppy with me. Mm -hmm. Um, and then I also turn on a personal growth book on audible that helps me get in the right mindset. So right now on this morning, I'm listening to 15 laws of growth, um, Mm by John Maxwell. And it's just like, it just helps, you know, even in the chapters I was listening to today, he was talking about the importance of growing through quote unquote bad experiences. And I mean, Mm. gosh, you can relate to that to Hashimoto's all day long. Right. (laughs) Right. And so like, those are my most important part of my day. As far as like, I say a prayer when I'm on my walk, I'll listen to a few scriptures and then I'll turn on like a personal growth book. Mm. I have to say, even when I feel my worst, which I, I don't anymore. Like, of course we have ups and downs, right. And we have flares, but in time, those ups and downs, those, those flares get fewer and further between Mm -hmm. and, you know, less intense. So even now when I'm in a flare, I still go on a walk because it helps me so much emotionally Mm -hmm. and with stress. Um, so that's like my number one. Um, the other thing that I love to do is I don't know. No, I don't love to do it. I really don't (laughs) like to do it is, um, communicate with my husband about how I'm feeling. So I say, Mm. I don't like to do it because it's never easy to, to tell somebody I don't feel good. And this is what I need. And I can't go do this. And I need to do this instead. Um, but that was something that was really important at, in my journey is to communicate. Otherwise that stress builds up mm-hmm. because he doesn't know how I'm feeling. And he doesn't know that he just sees I'm working and I'm going, you know, grocery shopping and I'm cooking dinner and I'm doing all the things and I'm taking, you know, the kids everywhere. He doesn't know how I feel inside. If that's, if that's pushing me to, you know, my limits, or if mm-hmm. that's like, I'm perfectly fine. I have all the energy, you know? And so I have to communicate with him. So we have a family council every Sunday where we sit down and we look at our schedule for the week and we talk to, you know, as a husband and wife, and then we pull our kids in and we kind of see like, do we have too much going on? Do we need to cut down on some stuff? And then I'll tell him like how I'm feeling. And Mm -hmm. these days I'm, I usually don't have to change anything, but if there's like something stressful going on, we just kind of like take precautions, like let's just kind of cut something out of the schedule this week, you know? So the more you live with Hashimoto's, the more you learn to notice early warning signs before Mm -hmm. a full flare comes. And the more that, you know, to, to adjust things Mm -hmm. as needed to adjust like things in the schedule. So I'd say that that's really like, you know, communication is key because we, most of us with Hashimoto's look fine on the outside. They can't tell how we're feeling. So I would say those are two things that help a lot with my stress. Um, little things too, like I love to slow dance with my husband that like Mm. in the kitchen as you know, dinner's cooking, that just helps to like only for like a minute or two, but it helps like call me. Um, I love to laugh. So like, I just try to laugh all the time with, you know, our kids and with my husband, it, did I lost that after mm. my rock bottom? Like I never laughed anymore. And so like, I don't take that for granted because it took me a while to find my laugh again and to figure out, um, you know, like how to find joy, you know? Right. And so, and so I'd say that too. And then, um, movement, just, you know, walking or stretching or getting out. So those are some of my go-to things, you know, meditation and deep breathing. Um, 
I have a love hate relationship with not hate, but like deep breathing can be so, so important to helping signal our bodies to calm down. Mm -hmm. Um, so I do do some deep breathing every day. Um, there's like four, seven, eight breathing or alternate nostril breathing. You can do the calm app. Um, and a little goes a long way. So that's something that is just like five or 10 minutes a day. And I, I I do do that every day as well. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I love that. And I think everybody's is a little bit different. Like it really just depends like what works for you. Different times of your life will be different. Like, you know, if you have young kids versus if you don't or whatever, like for me, I really like to meditate. I send my, I love the communication. I send my, um, my best friend, a little voice memo every day. And we tell each other what we're grateful for. So it's nice. We live on opposite coasts. So it's like a nice way to connect with her. And then, um, I'm trying to get back into journaling. That's, that's one that falls, comes back and falls off every now and then it kind of just depends. Um, but that can be really helpful, but I always love hearing what people do because, um, I think something as important as like finding your joy and laughing is like not something that someone would think about as something they should try to do every day, but it's true. It's so helpful when you're not feeling well. The last thing I'm thinking about is like, what makes me happy, but that's probably the thing that would maybe make me um, feel a little bit better. So I think that's important. Yeah, absolutely. And, and I always think, excuse me, I always think, well, if I'm feeling crummy physically, I certainly don't want to feel crummy, like emotionally, you know, (laughs) like, like, I don't, I don't want to do that. And I think, I think that always is like a natural part of it, like initially, Mm. but to be aware that, Hey, listen, my body feeling bad does not mean I have to feel that way emotionally or mentally or spiritually. Um, so like, I'll also turn on some of my favorite, like, you know, spiritual songs are a more like a fight song because mm-hmm. we don't always feel like fighting Hashimoto's. Right. Yeah. And so like, I have my go-to fight songs and then I do love journaling too. So I keep a gratitude journal every morning. So, um, I'll write down five things I, I am grateful for. And, and the kicker for me is it's even more effective. If I do five things I'm grateful for that happened in the last 24 hours, mm. because then when you're not feeling as well, it's really helping you see there are things to be grateful for, even when your body feels broken or your body doesn't feel good. Mm-hmm. Um, and then at night, I love to do a victories, um, journal where I write down things I did that day that I am proud of. And I started that at my rock bottom and it was, at the request of my husband, it was his idea because I was just so negative and I was so yeah. down and I was struggling with anxiety and depression, which is very common with Hashimoto's and, you know, and, and there's not, we do a whole podcast episode on that too, you right. know, like that's, that's very common. And so kind of switching to developing that we do have worth even, and our worth is not dependent on what we do or do not get done in a day or how our bodies do, do feel or do not feel. So like, you know, like, at my rock bottom, it was things like, um, my victories journal was like, I got out of bed today. I took a shower. Well, today I snuggled my kids today. I, you know, it was very little things, but I knew what effort it took to get those done. So just again, like celebrating every little thing and just building on that is so important. Yeah. Yeah. I love that. I, there are so many things that we could talk about. Like even once you started talking about the depression and anxiety stuff, I'm like, Oh, there's so much. I know there's so much more to it, but I want to be cognizant of your time, but why don't you, you kind of mentioned it in the beginning, but how can people connect with you if they want to learn from your free information, or if they're interested in working with you one-on-one, how could they do that? Absolutely. So I, they can go to my website, shannonemro.com. Mm-hmm. I have information on my group coaching program, which is called AIP refresh. I have information on, I also have a monthly membership support group. So if somebody mm-hmm. um, just wants the ongoing support, I have a program called joyful autoimmunity. Mm-hmm. And then I also work one-on-one with clients. And so all that information is on my website, shannonemro.com. They're always welcome to email me. Hello at shannonemro.com. I'm on Instagram, Facebook, Pinterest, YouTube, Mm -hmm. at Shanna Nemro across the board. And my YouTube channel is Shanna Nemro. So I love to connect. Um, I am currently have a few openings for one-on-one clients Mm -hmm. and my next, um, I'll be running three more AIP refresh um, six week group coaching programs, um, June 1st, and then also in August and then also in October. 
So oh, cool. Yeah. Perfect. Yeah. Th- I'll have all the links down below and this episode will be going up before that June 1st. So if anyone is interested, um, in the next few weeks to reach out to you for that, but, but yeah, thank you so much for being on today. It was exciting for me. Like I said, I've, I've followed your content for a while now and it's been very helpful. So I'm so happy that we were able to chat today. I feel like there's a thousand more things we could talk about, <laughs> but, um, but yeah, thank you so much for being on. And, and is there anything else that you want to tell the listeners of the podcast today? that maybe we missed? No, I I just want them to know that they are not alone, that this is Mm. hard, but there is a way through it. And it's not, it's not easy, but um, I always think about, I get to choose my heart. So yes, um, making all the choices every day to eat and to live and to think, you know, the way I do, it's a lot easier now, but it was very, 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 very hard for me at first. But you know what, to me, living daily with the Hashimoto's symptoms was way harder. Mm -hmm. So just choose your heart and you are not alone. Yeah. I love that. Thank you so much for being on and yeah, we'll hear from you soon. Thank you so much for having me. It was so much fun. And that's a wrap on today's episode of the Chronically Healing Podcast. Thank you so much for listening. I hope that you enjoyed it. Make sure you come over to Instagram and tell me how much you enjoyed today's episode. My handle is jesse underscore underscore fritz, which you can always find on my website or in the show notes. If you haven't already, make sure you subscribe to the podcast, leave us a review. I know I say this all the time, but it's super helpful in helping the podcast grow and getting the types of people that you want to hear from on the podcast. So thanks again for listening, and I will see you in the next episode.